um, sore throats for the boys. Kathy's been having some body aches, but I'm really grateful it hasn't been bad. I know that several... Good morning, Lighthouse, and Happy New Year. I hope that you had a wonderful one. And um, as you now know, my wife and I uh, spent last night kind of anticipating what we pretty much knew, which is that we've been struggling throughout this week with COVID. Again, it hasn't been bad at all. You can hear it in my voice that it's pretty much just nasal stuff, um, sore throats for the boys. Kathy's been having some body aches, but I'm really grateful it hasn't been bad. I know that several of my other staff members at Lighthouse have also been kind of struggling with sickness, whether it's COVID or not. And so um, we just felt like for this week only, it was probably wiser not to gather in person as much as I wish you were in here because this is just talking to the camera right now is not how I would choose to spend this morning. But I'm really excited for the conversation we're going to have. Originally, about a month ago, I had prepared that we would start our study through the book of Revelation today. And my staff very quickly reminded me that this Sunday is only the day after New Year's, probably not going to, to be the day that we want to start that really foundational study because some of you may be sleeping in, some of you may be traveling, and that's going to be such an important conversation. I truly don't want you to miss it. So, this is your teaser. Next week, on January 9th, we are going to begin a study through the book of Revelation. I'm really excited about it. For those of you who are scared about Revelation, trust me, I was in your camp for a very long time, and it's not something that we need to be scared about. In fact, I think it's incredibly pertinent to where we find ourselves. It is such an encouraging letter. I can't wait to start digging into it with you. But what are we going to talk about today? One of the things I realized after my staff basically said, Eric, you're going to need to pause on the Revelation study until the second week of January, I realized there's a, quite a few of you who are relatively new to Lighthouse, meaning that you've started attending Lighthouse over this last year. Uh, it's helpful to know the type of church that you have signed on for. I, it's helpful to know where we're headed. And typically at the beginning of a year, it's also helpful to kind of get some clarity, even if, it, if, even if you've been a part of this church for decades. It's really helpful at the beginning of the year for us to get some clarity as to where we're headed and why we're headed there. And so today what I want to do is remind us, for those of us who have been part of Lighthouse for a long time, or let you know, for those of you who are new to Lighthouse, what we're about as a church, what drives us, what is our purpose, and how do we go about achieving that purpose. And so I'd like to introduce you to the purpose statement of Lighthouse Church. And you can read it with me if you want, but I'll read it for you. Lighthouse Community Church is committed to making disciples who love God, love one another, and love our neighbors. That is a purpose statement that we came up with probably four or five years ago now as a way of drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is what we are called to do. This is what we feel commissioned to do. It is the lens through which we look at every single opportunity and say, does this help us achieve the purpose for which we've been commissioned to do? Well, what is that purpose? As you can see, it's to make disciples. And you might be saying, well, wait a minute, Eric. What about, you know, evangelizing 
Costa Mesa? What about uh, being worshipers? And each of those are really, really important things, and it's part of how we do it. But the reason that we recognize that making disciples is our primary call as a church community is because that was Jesus' primary call. He wasn't about gathering large groups of people. He was about investing in a small core of people that he poured into and, and modeled for and trained up so that when he left, when he went to go and prepare a place in heaven for us, he could look at them and the very last commission he gave to them was this. It's found in Matthew 28. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So for Jesus, he invested and made disciples who then could turn around and make other disciples. That's what we want to be about as a church. But since that's our core purpose, it would probably behoove us if I defined our term for us. When I'm talking about making disciples, the word disciple means an apprentice or a student. But I don't want you to think about this like a student sitting in a seat, listening to a teacher drone on and just writing down what he knows is going to end up being on the test so he can regurgitate it. I mean, sometimes it feels like our education system is a little bulimic and that you binge the information and you purge it up on the test and then you can forget about it. That's not what we're about here. Being a disciple is about doing life with, 24-7 doing life with your rabbi. When a rabbi identified a potential disciple, he always had one invitation that he would give him. He would say, come, follow me. That was an invitation to discipleship. It was an invitation to relationship. It was an invitation to walking alongside your rabbi. And when you said yes to that, when you were invited into that discipleship relationship, you had three goals in mind. Goal number one was to be with your rabbi, just being with them. This was, you, you, oftentimes disciples would live with the rabbi, they would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with their rabbi. Where the rabbi went, that's where they would go. What the rabbi did, that's what they would do. Everything was about being with the rabbi. There was this blessing that... Um, that was used in the first century to disciples. They said, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, may you follow so closely behind your rabbi that the dust that his sandals kick up cakes your clothes. But why? Why was being with your rabbi so important? Because it led to the second goal of discipleship, and that is to become like your rabbi. So you were constantly watching what your rabbi did and you would emulate it. If your rabbi uh, would, went and talked to a certain group of people, you went and listened and then you would talk to that certain group of people. If your rabbi avoided a certain group of people, you would do the same. If your rabbi decided he was going to stay up till midnight to celebrate New Year's, you stayed up till midnight to celebrate New Year's. And if, just, if your rabbi decided he was going to do, celebrate New York New Year's and he, he went to bed at 9 p.m., that's what you did as well. Like what your rabbi did, that's what you would do because the goal was to become like your rabbi, to be shaped and molded into him, which led to the third goal. And that was to do what your rabbi did. Your rabbi was somebody who was raising up disciples, and the rabbi's goal was never just to create a minion. 
The rabbi's goal was always to train up somebody who could then do what he was doing, who could take on other disciples and pour into them and pass on to them what they had received from their rabbi. And that's ultimately what Jesus did with his disciples. Over the course of his three-year ministry, he walked with these men and women. He poured into them. He encouraged them. He modeled for them. They went where he went. They did what he did. They were shaped in his image so that ultimately they would become like him. Early on in the, the uh, early church, there was a group of individuals that started kind of mocking Christians. And they, they used that term Christian as a derogatory term. Oh, you're just a little Christ. That's what Christian means. And these early believers were like, well, well actually, yeah, that's exactly what we want to be. And so they took what was intended as a derogatory term and they used it as a badge of honor, as a declaration of what they were about. Yes, we are Christians. We want to be little Christs. May that be true in us. So that's what we're about. We are about making disciples. And I, I, a couple of things I want to point out about discipleship. First off, discipleship is not optional. There's this false belief kind of floating around in the Christian community that believing in Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus are two different things. Like, believing in Jesus is kind of entry level, and being a disciple is more like the special forces of Christians. But that's absolutely, positively not found anywhere in Scripture. That's like saying you can have Jesus as your Savior without following Him as your Lord. And that has never been the case. And the, way, the reason that I know that is because the word disciple, metaisis, shows up 269 times throughout the New Testament. The word believer only shows up twice, and the word Christian only shows up three times. In other words, we are called to be disciples, not simply believers, and not simply Christians, we are called and invited into a discipleship relationship. I think one of the reasons why we tend to separate believing and being a disciple into two different camps is because we placed such an overemphasis on praying a prayer. And let me, let me be very clear, it's important that praying a prayer, accepting Christ into your heart, is an important step in our journey as a Christ follower. But we place such an emphasis on it that we've almost turned it into the finish line. That when you pray that prayer, you're good. You can live your life any way that you want. You've stamped your ticket into heaven. But in reality, when we pray that prayer, what we're saying is, Jesus, I believe in you. I choose to rest in you like I believe that this chair can hold me up, so I have rested my weight in it. And now, because I'm doing that, because I choose to believe in you, I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to, I'm going to read what you were like, and I'm going to begin to emulate you so that my life begins to reflect your life. And I'm going to begin to spend time in your word, and I'm going to begin to spend time communicating with you through prayer. It's give and take. It's we listen as much as we speak. I'm going to begin to do life with other people who are also pursuing you. And as I do so, my goal is that I would become more like you. 
So yes, we pray a prayer, but ultimately that prayer is the starting line to a lifetime of following Jesus. And this brings us to the second point that I want to make abundantly clear, and that is that discipleship is not a momentary thing. It's a lifelong journey. You may have come to church for the first time in a really long time on Christmas Eve, and you find yourself listening to this now, and you're like, I'm just beginning this. Well, your invitation is not simply to believe in Jesus. Your invitation is follow me. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Or you might be like Merv and John and some of our other uh, guys where, who have been following Jesus for 70, 80 years. They're not finished. Their discipleship of following Jesus has not completed. And the third thing I really want to make abundantly clear is that we are not seeking to make disciples of myself or Jeff or Bill or Sherry or Marge or Diane. We are looking to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Yes, absolutely, we do that best in relationship with one another. But at the end of the day, we want to emulate Jesus, not any other human being. And so, again, our goal as a church, what we are absolutely focused on is being a church that makes disciples followers of Jesus Christ. But how do we go about doing that? Well, this is what I love about our purpose statement is that built into it is not simply the what we want to do, make disciples, but the how we seek to do it. And so can we throw it back up on the screen there? Let's go ahead and put our, there we go. So Lighthouse Community Church is committed to making disciples who love God, love one another, and love our neighbors. So the disciples, that's the what we're seeking to do. The how is growing in our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, and our relationship with our neighbors. And I, those of you who have been a part of Lighthouse, you know what's coming. And I know that you were very concerned when I shattered the old light bulb that I would never get another one, or maybe you were concerned that I would and I would have a repeat. I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to do that. But thankfully, I was able to get the last light bulb. I guess apparently this company went out of business, but I was able to buy uh, their, their window model. So there is another light bulb. And this, to me, is the thing. This helps illustrate what I'm talking about in being a disciple. Because there's this part of the light bulb, the metal part, the part that you don't typically see. But this metal part represents the loving God component of we need to anchor ourselves deeply in our relationship with Jesus. Because without a relationship with Jesus, without connection to him, all we are is a glorified paperweight. But when, when the power of the Holy Spirit it gets connected to us through our abiding relationship with Jesus, amazing things happen. When his power, and that power is supernatural, it comes from the Holy Spirit, it's not something from ourselves. When his power begins to work in us, it begins to help us do what we are created to do. The second part of the light bulb is this filament. And that filament symbolizes the life together that we were created to love one another. You were not created to follow Jesus on your own. There's a reason why it's so important for us to gather together, and I look forward to next week God willing, when we can be back in this building together and seeing one another. There's a reason why we place such a strong emphasis on doing life in life groups throughout the week. 
because that's this life together. It's life on life. It's processing what's going on in our lives. It's sharing with others what we're carrying and, and sharing the burden. It's helping carry the burden for them. It's when somebody's hurting, coming alongside of them and just going, hey, how can I love you right now? Or when somebody's processing really deep, painful, or, or, or concerning things. It's coming alongside of them and letting them share with you. I love, I love this picture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 where Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. And he says, hey, listen, guys, we loved you so much that we didn't just share the gospel with you, but our lives as well. We loved you so much that it wasn't just the gospel we wanted to give you. We wanted to share our lives with you as well. That's discipleship. That's life together. That's, it, because more is caught than taught. And so it's imperative that we don't try to follow Jesus on our own. We were created to do life together. And here at Lighthouse, the very best way that we've learned to do that isn't even on Sunday mornings. It's during the week in our life group. And if you are not in a life group right now, you're missing the absolute best part of what Lighthouse has to offer. And if you do want to get into a life group, there is no better time to do it because beginning next Wednesday, January 12th, we are going to begin gathering our life groups again. And many of them are actually going to gather right across the street in the family room where you guys are going to be able to have dinner together. Bill, uh, Pastor Bill is going to be able to kind of lead us through the beginning parts of unpacking the message from Sunday as we begin our journey through Revelation. And then many of those life groups are going to sit around tables and share and process and that life together. So if you're not in a life group, there's no better time to get plugged in all you need to do is email pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and let us know that you're interested in getting in a life group and we will make sure that we create space for you. So we need to remain connected to Jesus, our power source. We need to remain connected to one another. But ultimately, when those two things are happening, light is produced. And that light is not for the light bulb, Right? The, the whole point of the light bulb is that the light is emitted into the world and it begins to drive back the darkness. And this is what I mean when we're talking about loving our neighbors. Guys, it is so important that we remember that this building isn't the church. We are the church. And God has uniquely placed each of us in our spheres of influence around Costa Mesa, around Fountain Valley, around Newport Beach, around Santa Ana, around wherever you happen to live and work and play, you are a light that God has uniquely placed there. And it is my ardent desire that you would grow in your radiance, not so that you would be glorified, but so that Jesus would be glorified. Because there's a lot of hurting people right out the, outside the doors here. A lot of people who are stumbling around in the darkness. And as disciples, it is our opportunity to invite them to find hope in the one that we've found hope in. And so this is what we're about, is making disciples who are connected, anchored into their relationship with Jesus, who are growing together with one another, so that ultimately our lives produce the light of hope and, 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 and love and redemption in this world. And we're going to really lean into the whole loving our neighbor component after Easter. We're going to spend a whole month drilling down deep, and that will lead us into um, the, 
love Costa Mesa Serve Day, and then beyond that, I hope that we as a church will get really good at serving our neighbors as so many of you have already modeled for us. So there you go. That's what we're about, is to become a church that makes disciples who are loving God, loving one another, and loving their neighbor. And the question I have for you is, are you in? Are you willing to join us in this endeavor? But before you say yes or no to this, I want to lay out what I'm inviting you into. Because a lot of people, and and for those of you who've been around, you've heard this metaphor before, but it's probably the best one I've got. A lot of people approach church like they do a cruise ship, right? If you look at the church like a cruise ship, back before COVID and stuff, back before our kids, we had kids, my wife and I loved to go on cruises, specifically because my wife likes really fun kind of stage shows. She loves lots of good food, and I don't particularly love spending lots of money for each of those things. So a cruise is a perfect opportunity because they'll give you as much food as you want, and it's typically pretty good. They have lots of entertainment. You can choose what you want to do. There's also Uh, there's everything is, they wait upon you hand and foot. You don't have to clean up after yourself. Just have fun and then walk away and somebody will be there to wait on you. It's fun to go on a cruise every once in a while. But can you imagine if you lived on a cruise ship? Can you imagine how that would begin to impact you? Not only would you become fat and lazy, you would think that the world revolves around you, that you are, you are the center of the world and everybody exists to wait upon you. And all that's required of you is just to throw some money in the till to make the whole machine keep going to serve you. And can you see how some people, when they approach church in this way, they have this mindset, I want a church that's going to feed me exactly what I want and as much of it as I want. I want a church that's going to have you know, programs for all of our needs. It's going to entertain us. It's got to be funny. So Eric, can you crack a joke every once in a while? And I want people to serve us. I want to be waited upon. And what does that produce? That produces lazy, spiritually obese people who think that Jesus is there to give them their best life now. Jesus is there to make them healthy, wealthy, and above all things comfortable. And quite honestly, that's not the kind of disciple we're looking to produce. The other approach is to look at a church like a clipper ship. Now, a clipper ship and a cruise ship both go on the water, but there's some major differences between a clipper ship and a cruise ship. A clipper ship is a lot smaller than a cruise ship because it doesn't have all of the space for entertainment. And that's because there's one massive difference between a cruise ship and a clipper ship. Clipper ships don't carry passengers. Every single person on a clipper ship, from the captain on down to the greenest deckhand, has a part to play. They all have a job to do. They are all focused on helping the entire ship achieve what it was commissioned to do. And that doesn't mean that they don't get fed. They absolutely do. It doesn't mean that they don't have fun. They absolutely do. But at the end of the day, everybody has a part to play. I can imagine that you already know the kind of vessel we want to be as a church. We're not interested in making people comfortable and, being, and having lots of passengers who just kind of sit back and throw some money in the till to keep the machine going. We are looking 
to fulfill what Jesus has commissioned us to do, namely to make disciples who are growing in their relationship with him, with one another, so that we can be a radiant into the darkness of this world. That's what we're about. And if you're in, then I want to invite you to recommit yourself, whether you've been a part of Lighthouse for 70 years or you've been a part of Lighthouse for like a week. I want to invite you to recommit yourself to being a crew member of Lighthouse. I don't want you to be a passenger. I don't want you to just idly sit in a seat and consume because that's not going to produce the kind of disciple that you want to be and that we want you to be. And so I'm going to ask the question again, are you in, are you willing to be a crew member? But before you answer yes or no, let me now really make it clear what I'm talking about. Here, are, uh, here is a crew member's job description. I have three items on this job description that you can choose whether or not you want to accept. Crew member job number one, are you willing to continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because truth is you never graduate out of being a disciple. So will you commit yourself to walking with God, carving out space to connect with Him on a daily basis, communicating with Him, communing with Him through prayer. Will you commit to continuing to grow your relationship? We're here to help, but ultimately this is a part that you have to take an active investment in. Job number two, are you willing to connect into community? Are you willing to do life with one another? And that could be in a life group, that could be in a, an accountability group, that could be in an intentional discipleship group like a triad. But are you willing to be known and to know and to walk with other people? Are you willing to open your life to them and, and let them open their lives to you? And then thirdly, are you willing to invest whatever God has placed in your hands towards whatever he calls us to do? In other words, I'm not looking for people to just sit back and consume, I'm asking you, are you willing to invest yourself? Because you have things to offer, you have time, you have talents, and you have treasures. And each of those things is something you can bring to bear on our church, on our community, on the, the, the greater community around us to be investing in and helping us fulfill what we've been called to do. What are we talking about, Eric? Well, first off, I would say, are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Are you willing to financially invest in Lighthouse Community Church? And I'm not, I don't want to get into percentages. I know that for some of us, you know, we, we give a certain percentage of our income. But if you've never given it all, don't worry about a percentage. Just start with 1%. But start somewhere, because where your money is, your heart tends to follow. There's a reason why Jesus spent so much time talking about our money, because he recognizes what a rival God it can be, what a rival it can be to his lordship in their life. So we're not asking this because we want your money. God provides. I mean, it's, it's kind of remarkable how over the last two years, God has continued to provide for Lighthouse. It is absolutely remarkable. The reason I bring this up is because I know that when you trust God in that area, your faith will grow. I know because I've seen it in my own life. I know Jeff can share stories of the ways he's seen it in his life and so many other people. 
So are you willing to financially invest in our church community? Secondly, are you willing to bring your gifts, your talents, and even your time to bear? And that can look like helping with our tech crew. It can look like helping with the worship team. It can look like helping as us and greeters. Or it can look like investing yourself beyond the walls of Lighthouse. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about making the machine go. It's also about saying, everything I have, Jesus, is yours. My time, my talents, my treasures, my hopes, my desires, even my fears and my failings. It's all yours. Help yourself to my life. And this is what it means to be a crew member. It means bringing all of who we are and saying, for better or for worse, I am in. And I'm willing to help the church community, my church family, do what we were called to do. Namely, to make disciples who are first and foremost growing as disciples. We can't make disciples until we're growing ourselves as disciples. So are you willing to be a disciple of Jesus who is investing in your relationship with him, investing in your relationship with one another, and investing what God has placed in your hands to do what he's called us to do? If so, I am so grateful that you're a part of our church. I'm so grateful to be on this adventure with you. In fact, if you were here, I would actually have you kind of fill out a job description and write your name on it and turn it in. You're not here to do that, so how about this? Why don't you, if you're in, email us at pastor at lighthousecommunity.com, and it can be as simple as I'm in. If you are in, and you don't, you don't even have to have ever given a penny to the church yet, you don't have to currently be in a life group, you don't... You may be just in in the infancy of your following Jesus, but if you say, you know what, I see what we're about and I'm in, and so I'm willing to grow in that area, I'm willing to invest myself, would you simply email pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and say, I'm in, so that I know that you're pulling in the same direction as me because we, I'm, I'm unbelievably excited about what God has in store for us this year. I know that this is a little anticlimactic to start the year out, not together, but it's all up here, uphill from here, baby. It is, it is exciting what we have in store this year. And I, I know that we don't have a clue what God is going to do, but I know it's going to be good. And so I'm really grateful that we get to do life together. I'm really grateful that my family and I get to grow alongside of you. I'm really grateful we get to be family. So... I pray that you have a wonderful Sunday. I pray that you are healthy, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Have a wonderful week.